0: Coming up on this week's show, we sit down with M.J. O'Shea and talk about her prolific writing life. Plus, we review the latest from Serena Bowen and L. Kennedy, as well as Jeffrey
1: Knight. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are
2: going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knaus. Welcome to episode number 72 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from JeffAdamsWrites.com. And I'm Will from WillKnaus.com.
0: This week's episode is sponsored in part by listeners just like you. We'll have more information on how you can help support the show in just a few moments. Hello, sir. Good day. Welcome to episode 72. Ta da! 72,
2: the year of my birth. It's true. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. Yes. Yes, indeed. Although we didn't celebrate the 68 when we hit that one. Eh, 68, whatever. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Goodness. How are you? I'm good. How was your week? How was the week? It was good. Yeah, not bad at all. No, not bad. Yeah. Work was work was work, and got some writing done. And Well, fill us in. I know you got some stuff finished. Yes. Uh, there were 6,500-ish words written this week. And that finished up the story that now has the title Head Games. That'll be going into the charity anthology. Yes. Um, and hey, I immediately started revising on that story almost <laughs> as soon as it was done. Good job, because that needs to be uh, into the into the folks coordinating the anthology on April first. So uh-huh. I need to move deliberately on that to get it done. There were also uh, the first round of winger edits went back to Dream spinner this week. Well, actually, to Harmony this week. I was happy with those edits. Um, I think I talked about last week that I was a little, you know, I wouldn't say concerned, but curious what the edit, what the package held for me since I hadn't opened it yet, since I haven't really written in this kind of spy action sort of genre before. And I was pleasantly surprised. Um, not a lot of story fixes to make. Uh, lots of commas to move. I apologize to my editors, because apparently I don't use commas right hardly ever. Because it's like, they don't go here, they need to go over there, or you didn't put them here, and it's it's a sad thing, yes. It's a good thing that the <laughs> editors aren't paid by, by comic. They, <laughs> <laughs> I, I posted that on Facebook uh, at some point <laughs> last week and got some nice remarks back on that one, <laughs> so, but yeah, overall I was pleased with, uh, with the winger edits, and I cleaned up what needed to be cleaned up and sent it back, so, good. Round two will be along eventually. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah. So, we need to talk about your t shirt because oh. it's super spiffy, cool. Back up just a little bit, so that it gets fully on the the camera for the video feed, and we'll make sure that there's a good picture of it on the website uh, for those people who don't watch the video. But it's it's a spiffy shirt. So what's the scoop? I am wearing a Gillian Girl T-shirt, which features
0: artwork from the classic film Valley of the Dolls. Uh, for those of you who may not remember, uh, the heroine Anne uh, becomes a glamorous model and becomes the Gillian girl and she stars in uh, one of the movies like most ridiculous montages <laughs> um, where she, she <laughs> where she displays insanely mod fashions and outrageous hair pieces uh, in her Gillian girl commercial uh, and I'm wearing that t-shirt today uh, this particular t-shirt is by Tom's Trendy's Tees. that's kind of hard to say it's that alliteration, Tom's trendy teas. Yes, by Tom Judson. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know, Tom is a bit of a raconteur. Uh, he is a former adult film star. He was a house flipper. Uh, he is an accomplished uh, Broadway performer and musician. Uh, we've actually, of course, seen him on stage uh, the last time we were in Provincetown. We mm-hmm. saw his one-man show, Canned Ham. And that particular season, he was also accompanying uh, Varla Jean Merman during her show Mm -hmm. that particular season. Uh, Right now, at this moment, Tom is out on the road with the incomparable Charles Bush, uh, accompanying him uh, on his uh, uh, cabaret show that's sort of touring the West Coast at this very, very moment. Uh, Tom... uh, As you might tell, he's also a designer and he has a t-shirt store on Etsy. I bought this shirt and I also purchased a Betty Davis shirt featuring the artwork from the uh, faux Broadway show Aged in Wood. Those of you who may not remember, in the movie All About Eve, Margot Channing is starring in a southern gothic melodrama around which most of the action of the movie takes place. Uh, And there is a scene that takes place in the lobby of the theater. Uh, The scene has Betty, George Saunders, and Marilyn Monroe in it. And at one point, uh, Betty Davis stands next to the poster for Aged in Wood, and it's an insanely inspired caricature of Betty in a southern bell gown holding a smoking gun which tells you everything you need to know about <laughs> Aged in Wood. And ever since I first saw that movie, I have desperately wanted merchandise from this fake show, whether it was like a poster or a T-shirt. I didn't care what it was. I thought it was genius. And now I own a T-shirt, and it makes me very, very happy. So if you love weird, kitschy designs... And there's um, some awesome ones there. Um, really creative stuff. I highly recommend you... Check out Tom's store on Etsy. Simply go to Etsy.com and look for Tom's Trendy tr- Tom's trendy
2: Tees. Ugh. There you go. <laughs> or you can just look in the show notes for okay. episode 72, and we'll put it in there as well. Do we get to see the Aged in Wood shirt next week?
0: Perhaps. Cool. Okay, now now that the fashion portion of the program is over, <laughs> let's talk about our patrons, shall we? Let's do so. Uh, we, we want to send a very big thank you to our newest patron, Brandon. Thank you. Uh, just so you all know, you can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with the monthly Pledge. Mm, it's going to be another one of those weeks, isn't it? Pledge. You can. You can support the show with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For less than the price of a coffee a month, your pledge helps pay for the cost of producing and distributing the podcast. For those p- fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, you'll have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests.
2: Yes, And you'll actually hear one of those in the uh, interview we do with MJ O'Shea coming up a little later.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, this last weekend, uh, we recorded the very first... Uh, bonus episode yes we did that went live on valentine's day so if you are a page a patron through our patreon page be sure and go and check it out that bonus episode is live right now um i had a lot of fun recording that it was a blast um kind of just flew by the seat of our pants answered some questions uh Handed out, doled out some bonus features from some of the past interviews with authors that we've had on the show. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a lot of fun. And
2: And if you become a patron, you'll have access to all of our current and back bonus episodes Mm -hmm. as well. Yes. You can get details on becoming a patron at
0: www.patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcasts. And all of our supporters will be listed on the patrons page at com.
1: Want to be among the first to know what's coming up on the Big Gay Fiction Podcast? Join the Big Gay Fiction Podcast monthly newsletter. As a subscriber, you'll get our exclusive coloring pages that you can download and color. You can even send us your artistic creations and we'll display them in our online gallery. Go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com and sign up on the homepage. I would like to talk about free books
2: who doesn't like free books
0: who doesn't love free books i want to talk about um something i joined earlier this year and i've only just now remembered to talk about here on the show um is the gay romance uh book club actually i'm sorry it's the gay romance readers club maybe that's why i haven't brought it up till now i couldn't remember the name of perhaps it. okay so <laughs> so here are all the deets um The Gay Romance Readers Club is a group of 12 authors who have gotten together um, to hand out a free book, one free book every month for an entire year. And all you have to do, it's completely free, is go to the website and sign up. The website is theromanceauthors.com. And the free book for February is A Walk Through Fire by Felice Stevens. Hmm. So if you like free books, I highly recommend you check them out,
2: theromanceauthors.com. And that'll be in the show notes also. Yes. Cool. And Felice Stevens. Wow. That's cool. Mm. I like it. (laughs) I'm glad you signed up. Uh, New bookstore to talk about that sadly we don't get to go to, at least not easily, because it's in Provincetown. Mm -hmm. There was a write-up this week in the Provincetown banner that you happened to cross online somewhere. Uh, to talk about the opening of the East End Books P-Town store, uh, which opened up on Commercial Street in Provincetown just after New Year's. Uh, Jeff Peters owns the store. Uh, The newspaper article described him as a poor gay kid from Miami who became a lawyer, political activist. He is the founder of the first LGBT film festival in Tallahassee. He's a book publisher and a documentary producer. As if that's not enough, he decided to open a bookstore. Um, As he told the paper... Quote, my dream ever since I was a child was to own a bookstore, and I always wanted it to be in Provincetown. Having been to Provincetown a number of times, uh, I wouldn't mind owning a bookstore in Provincetown either. Me neither. <laughs> Jeff is living the dream. Yeah, he is. Uh, it's really awesome. Uh, the paper describes the store as eclectic. They're cinema books, lesbian and gay titles, politics and history, fiction that Peters is excited about. So it is cu- a curated store. It's got vintage LPs, graphic novels, anime, art books... What what is classified as unusual periodicals, <laughs> uh, and artwork on display. Um, it, it, and the, the pictures in the article were just, it looked like it was a very comfortable place. Comfortable, similar to how, you know, ripped bodice looks, it's comfy.
1: Exactly.
2: It's a comfortable store to be in. <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, I've been following the bookstore on social media since the beginning of the year, uh, and they've uh, sort of highlighted... Uh, some of the authors and events that have been going on there. Um, and there are even, um, Jeff, uh, there there have been times where he's uh, shot, you know, short little videos saying, hey, I'm here all day, and then pointing the camera out the window to the <laughs> to the frigid Arctic P-Town winters,
2: just so, you know, he's still here. Yeah, I think it's quite something too. <laughs> I mean... For those of you who don't know, I mean, Provincetown is stuck off on the very, very tip of the of the curl on Massachusetts. It's like the very last point on that bit of a bit of land out there. Mm. And I've never been there for winter, but I just imagine it's horrific with the wind and the snow and the ice and the crap. And to open a bookstore in uh, in New Year's in winter, when your key tourist season won't begin for five months or so, is is ambitious and kind of awesome. Uh, we wish him all the success. If, if we, I would love to go back to Provincetown at some point because we've been twice and, and loved it. It's kind of a magical little burb out there on the end of, of Massachusetts. So we wish him well. We'll keep track of what goes on there. And if you happen to be in Provincetown, uh, do stop by and say hello. We'll have some links in the show notes. Uh, to the article and to their Facebook page, we can keep track of what's going on there. Cool. Yeah. Um, now we've both read some books. Do you want to go first? I will go first. Do we do both of mine first, or do you want to swap off? Just go for it. Just baby. go for it. Um, so, a first for this show, we're going to talk about a het romance, Eek! which we've never done before. <laughs> uh, but this one is well worth talking about. Uh, Serena Bowen and L. Kennedy recently released the first in their WAGS series, which stands for Wives and Girlfriends, uh, which, you know, there's always a WAGS group to any sports team mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. Um, this particular book, Good Boy, uh, also is a spinoff from the Him and Us series. Okay. And to give a little spoiler, if you haven't read Us, uh, at the end of that book, Jamie and Wes get engaged, and in Good Boy, they get married. And it's Jamie's sister, Jess, who is tasked with getting this wedding put together and making it happen because she's decided in her many attempts to figure out what she wants to do, she wants to be an event planner in this moment. Okay. Um, and also from us, we've got uh, Blake Riley, who was a loud, boisterous uh, friend of the guys. They both, uh, him and, him along with Jamie and Wes all live in the same uh, building in Toronto where they play hockey. Um Jess and Blake hooked up in us, and now this is their book as they finish their their quest to become a couple. This is a romantic comedy unlike anything I've read before because Blake is loud and obnoxious. Well, you think he's obnoxious, but he's really got the heart of gold. Um, and Jess is scattered, can't decide what she wants to do. After she, got, after she gets Jamie and Wes married, she's like, I can't do an event planning anymore. But what she comes back to is wanting to be a nurse uh, because she helped take care of Jamie when he got sick in Us. Uh, So she goes to Toronto for nursing school, which puts her next to Blake, and then they get to go off and have shenanigans, which is really a hoot because she kind of smooths off some of his rough edges, and he kind of keeps her put together as she panics over all aspects of nursing school. Um, And plus, for anybody who thought Blake was too over the top in Us... There are some things that we find out about Blake's past in in Good Boy that will change your perception of him a uh, hundred uh, percent because he is really a good good man at heart. Um, I highly recommend this book. Uh, if you if you liked him and us, you kind of have to read this book because you need to see what goes on at Jamie and Wes's wedding. Wes, in particular, there is a stunning moment at the wedding that I really wish. Could have been delved into just a little bit more, but it wasn't his story. So, But it happens, and you'll all be really happy about it. Um, so a thumbs up to Serena and all for this. I suspect I may have to read some of the other WAGS books, because I'm already kind of attached to one of the characters that was debuted in Good Boy, who will be the subject of the next one that comes out in June. Cool. Yeah. Sounds like fun. It was awesome. And I'll link to that in the show notes, plus my written review on jeffinwell.com. Okay. Um, I also read this week a novella by Jeffrey Knight called The Tomb of Heaven, which is Fathoms 5, Book 4. I would call it more 3.5 3. more than anything because it is a novella to bridge between uh, Curse of the Dragon God from 2011 and what is due out later this year with The Temple of Time. Uh, for this particular book, now, well, let me back up. For those of you who don't know the Fathoms 5 books, these are some of my very favorite books uh, they are gay action adventure. They're very Indiana Jones with a little sprinkle of James Bond. As these uh, adventurers go around the world solving riddles, uh, dealing with archaeological stuff and mystical things, and mm-hmm. they're just like popcorn fun. Uh, and where the novels are like like reading an Indiana Jones book, for example, this is more like a little trip to the movies for a Saturday morning uh, serial, except you get the whole story in this little short nugget. Uh, for this, we don't have all five of the Fathoms Five with us. Uh, it's only Shane and Jake, uh, along with Jake's boyfriend, Daniel. Um, sorry, no, that's Shane's boyfriend, Daniel. I gave Jake the wrong person, so sorry. Um, as they are in search of the Tomb of Heaven, which has an immortality elixir inside of it. Uh, they go from a remote island, where they meet kind of a Dr. Moreau- Character, He's actually named Dr. Moreau, actually. So, but he is very like the Dr. Moreau that we all know. Uh, they go to New York, Pakistan, Kashmir, chasing this tomb down and trying to get to the elixir before the bad guys get there. Because you don't want the bad people to get the immortality elixir, of course. Uh, it's fun. It's a very quick read. Highly recommend it. And the only thing that I found wrong with it was it was too darn short.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I want... I can't wait for the Temple of Time. I mean, it's been since 2011 since there was a new Fathoms book. And I want to get back to all these characters because, frankly, Eden's been sick for four years. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> no, longer than that. He's been, he's been sick for like six years. Exactly. And somebody needs to help that boy.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. Jeff Knight, write faster. <laughs> so,
0: exactly. what have you got? Um, I recently read a children's book that I wanted to talk about briefly here on the show. Um, it's called Promised Land, and it's written by Adam Reynolds and Chaz Harris, and it was illustrated by Christine uh, Lutine or Lutan, I'm sorry, and Beau Moore. Uh, if you want to hold this up, um, yeah, Promise Land is a uh, pretty. Um, uh, pretty standard children's fairy tale with the uh the added uh bonus of it's about uh two young men falling in love uh promised land originally began its life uh, as a kickstarter and uh it funded and it went through and the promised land book came out last year um the story revolves around uh let me check my notes it was J- about jack the farm boy Uh, who lives, you know, the simple life in the forest with his mom, and about this young prince named Leo, who goes out searching for adventure, and he runs across Jack, and they kind of grow up together, and uh, one day uh, uh, Jack admits to his mom that he's fallen in love with the prince. So while all this, you know, uh, coming-of-age stuff is going on, uh, Leo's Uh, mom queen elena uh, falls under the spell of the evil gideon and gideon is out to you know uh, wrest power from the family and uh uh uh, steal the magic uh of the forest and all that other sort of like fantasy fairy tale (laughs) rigmarole uh so uh, it's really enjoyable uh it's a great story Uh, Really well drawn, has some really beautiful artwork. Uh, I highly recommend the book. Uh, I think it's perfect for um, some of the spring holidays are coming up. If you need a a prize uh, in a child's Easter Bastic, this would be uh, an exceptional gift. Or a book for a kid to read, uh, uh, maybe on a long car trip or heading out to the beach. Uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's really great book. Um, currently, uh, it's available in ebook in English, Portuguese, and Spanish. Hmm. If you would like the hardback uh, version of the book, uh, go to promisedlandstore.com and you can purchase it
2: there. Cool. So we'll have links to all the books we uh, reviewed this episode in the show notes. I like that the the drawing in that book. I haven't read it yet, but I saw some of the panels as you were looking at it. I've never seen a children's book uh, on the Kindle before, so that was kind of a treat to see. Also, how the art renders um, for ebook. Uh, yes, yes,
0: uh, really well. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> yeah, really well. Yes, uh, it looks really it looks really lovely, uh, and we will probably end up getting the uh, hardback version uh, one of these
2: days. Cool. Hint, so hint hint yeah, hint hint <laughs> your birthday's not for months yet uh, just saying mm, okay <laughs> you can get it from me for my birthday maybe yeah, okay so we watched some movies uh, over the course of the week too uh we went back to where the bears are for the second installment yes of the of the of the comedy mystery series would you like to give the rundown on that Since I don't do the rundowns well. Uh, Yes. Uh,
0: All the boys are back. Wood, Reggie, Nelson, and Nelson's boyfriend, Hot Toddy. This time, there is, unfortunately, another murder. There is a bear running for city council, and he is murdered at a pool party fundraiser. Uh, And the shenanigans begin from there. Uh, In this particular installment, uh, Wood is romancing two detectives. Uh, Reggie... uh, is trying to come to terms with maybe uh, an actual real-life relationship with a guy might be better than his sleeping around. Maybe. And Nelson is busy dealing with uh, the jealousy that comes with having an extremely hot bear boyfriend. Um, uh, I loved this installment just as much as the first.
2: I think it's really hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were your thoughts? I liked it a lot. There, were, I particularly like uh, Hot Todd because he essentially, I think, plays the straight man to the other three. The other three do all these crazy, crazy, crazy things, <laughs> and then there are times where he'll just come in with like the, well, I think we should do this, or this is the way to go, or let me just go talk to this person, and just... He tends to cut through some of the dramatics to get <laughs> to the <laughs> crux of the matter. But he's also really hot. He, he deserves his nickname, very, <laughs> very definitely. Uh, I did like this installment. Um, Wood with the Two Cops was a hoot uh, as they kind of went through their throuppleness. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like how... Uh, is it Nelson who's with Todd? Mm-hmm. I get the names confused. How Nelson and Todd kind of work through you know, their real life sort of issues. Yes. Uh, trying to figure that out. Uh, I like how... There were things that were brought back from the first episode, and the new the new murder was quite interesting, because I, I had a hard time sorting all that out. <laughs> <laughs> I fell for a lot of the red herrings, is basically what it comes down to. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's a, it was a very smart episode. Uh, I look forward to getting through. There are three more that we have yet to watch.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And currently, they are running a Kickstarter for season six. Yes. And we have uh come in and we, we are backing season six uh because it's uh we've, it's, be, it's, we've become fans
0: it, we're fans uh it's funny and we think it's a worthwhile project um if you are interested in learning about where the bears are season six just go to kickstarter.com and type in where the bears are yeah. you can find out all the deets their Kickstarter video for this new season is actually really funny. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, they make so. Hot Toddy take his clothes off because, you know, why wouldn't you want to see that? Which is
0: always a plus. So, yeah. Uh, uh, check them out.
2: Kickstarter.com. Yeah. And we'll have uh, that link in the show notes as well as a link to episode two on Amazon where it streams. hmm Now, you revisited one of your favorite films this week on Blu-ray.
0: Uh, yes. Recently, One Million Years B.C. came out on Blu-ray uh now i'm going to talk about this because it's something i have loved since my childhood i realize that most of the people in our audience probably don't give a crap about this but i don't care i'm going to talk about it real quick um (laughs) so there (laughs) so one million years bc is this 1960s classic that made uh raquel welch a superstar um it's uh cave girls in bikinis and dinosaurs, and pure awesomeness. Um, I love this movie, and I've always loved this movie, and this Blu-ray makes me love it even more, uh, partly because um, it contains the 100-minute uh, international cut of the film, which includes 10, uh, bonus, 10, 10 more minutes than the uh, version that we're used to seeing. Uh, and it includes um they didn't cut like you know a 10 minutes chunk out of the movie uh i i assume when fox released it in the 60s it was you know a monetary thing you know nine reels of film are cheaper to ship around to theaters than you know 10 reels Mm -hmm. um so uh it was cut down to around 91 minutes and they plucked bits and pieces of the movie out and some of them were incredibly strange choices like there are shots in some of the dinosaur sequences um that were missing in that 91 minute cut so seeing those for the very first time uh ever was a revelation to me also uh i think it's worth noting there's a really terrific um Audio commentary by Tim Lucas of the sadly defunct video watchdog. Uh, He's, of course, incredibly well-informed. And he knows absolutely everything there is to know about this movie. Uh, All the the behind-the-scenes stuff and what was going on at Hammer Films. And, you know, all the information about the various stars and why certain scenes were cut. And uh, it's super informative, really, really interesting. Um, So, aside from the Ray Harryhausen dinosaurs, um, I don't think um the movie has ever ever looked better the restoration is beautiful uh raquel and martine Beswick are gorgeous as always uh it's also worth noting that um uh uh if cave girls and bikinis aren't your thing there is john richardson as the head caveman Tumac. um he's insanely beautiful (laughs) (laughs) More beautiful than any man has the right to be. Uh, He's gorgeous, and uh, he's actually a really good actor. There's almost no dialogue at all in this entire movie, but um, through the cinematography uh, and the actions and staging uh, from the director and the actors... Um, the story is very clearly, it gets across. You know exactly what's going Mm -hmm. on between, you know, the rock people and the shell people (laughs) and, you know, all the interpersonal drama that goes on during the course of the film. Um, Anyway, I highly recommend it. Love it to pieces. Check out the Blu-ray.
2: Cool. We'll link to that in the show notes, too. Now, everybody knows that we like the Broadway musical Waitress, and we are huge fans of its composer, Sarah Bareilles. And we were excited yet heartbroken this week uh, <laughs> that it was announced that Sarah will be succeeding uh, the Tony-nominated Jesse Mueller in the role of Jenna. Uh, Sarah will be in for 10 weeks, starting March 31st and going through June 11th, which is sadly just 10 days before we show up in town for our spring theater trip. Yeah. So we're sad we won't get to see Sarah be Jenna, unless she extends. Hint, <laughs> hint. Hint, hint. That would be nice. It would be nice. And you never know, because as we've seen, since this was announced, this was announced on Tuesday or Wednesday this past week, and then news came out that the waitress box office broke its single day record and moved like $1.2 million in tickets when it was announced that Sarah was coming into the show. Uh, Having heard Sarah sing the score on the concept album that she put out before the show came to Broadway, she could absolutely sing the score. We've seen her act in community theater, so I think they will prep her well for Broadway, and she'll go off and do a great job with it.
0: Yeah, I think it's... The fact that Sarah is getting to live out her dream of performing on a Broadway stage is kind of... Uh, it just goes to show you, you never know what's going to happen. Life is really weird sometimes. Mm-hmm. And not weird in the fact that she actually achieved her dreams. It's just that, you know, uh, Jeff and I have actually both done shows with Sarah Bareilles, and uh here uh in our small burg yep. we've both done community theater productions with sarah uh and it's, it's sort of hard to believe that that little girl that we knew back then is a a big freaking deal now uh not only did she write a broadway show that became a big ol stinking hit uh she's now
2: going to get to perform in said show yeah i mean we so... should note that in a, in a, in a, in a in a in a world where most Broadway shows close before they can recoup their investment, yeah. Waitress recouped in ten months and is the only show from what would be the twenty fifteen sixteen Broadway season to recoup other than Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention multi Grammy nominated and everything else that she's accomplished. From you know you you starred with her when I first saw you in in Charlotte's Web the musical. Yeah. And uh, then we both shared a stage with her in Mystery of Edwin Drood. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so follow your dreams. I think is, the, is the, like really the thing here. Yes. Hell yes. Follow your
0: damn dreams. That's that's what we're saying here. Congratulations to Sarah. We know she's gonna break a leg and kick ass on Broadway. Uh, so if you happen to be in the Tri State area, uh, check out Waitress. It's a fantastic show. And uh, if you are in other parts of the U.S., is it on tour right now?
2: It's not on tour yet. It goes on tour. I believe it actually hits the tour either late this year or early 2018. Okay. Because we've seen it show up in the Southern California theater listings for season 2018. Cool. All right. Yeah. So check out uh, Waitress. Uh, It's really, really good. If
0: you're trying to check out Sarah, you probably should buy your ticket sooner rather than later. (laughs) Indeed. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. So recently we had the pleasure of getting to have a sit-down conversation with one of my favorite authors, MJ O'Shea. Uh, I became aware... Now, MJ's been writing a lot, a whole, whole lot, for quite a long time, but I only became aware of her recently through the books that she's written for Mm -hmm. Dreamspun Desires. Um, We got to sit down and talk to her about the Dreamspun books
2: and about uh, how she manages to be so incredibly prolific. So we're very excited to welcome MJ O'Shea to the podcast. MJ has never met a music festival, paintbrush, or flower crown she can't stay away from, she loves rainstorms and a perfect cup of tea, beach days, music, bright colors, and more than anything, a cozy evening with a really good book. She's got the heart of a wanderer, so she puts her all of her dreams of far-off places and extraordinary people in her books. Welcome, MJ. Hi. Thank you for
3: having me.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for providing a year of great reading. We've been big fans of the of the dream-spun desires you've done. Uh, and let's talk about your latest. Sure. The Worst Best Man just came out this month. Tell us what that one's about. So, that
3: one's about um, August, who is an American, and he's been living in England since um, he was in college. And he's an event planner, and he gets this really highbrow wedding. And um, part of the whole deal is that the wife's, the soon to be wife's husband is busy, so he's dealing with the wife and her best friend. And the first meeting, he walks in the door and he realizes the best friend is this guy that he'd been with in college, and they broke up, and it was horrible. and... You know, it was the one that got away, kind of. And so the whole story is about those two reconnecting over this, this wedding. And and it's just kind of a lot of angst and, you know, banter and Britishness.
2: And Britishness. <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: I, that was hard for me, but it was actually really fun. I got a lot of, you know, outside opinions on whether I had done things correctly. But it was really, it was the fun part.
0: Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, I reviewed it... Uh, on a recent podcast. Uh, I loved it to pieces. And um, that sort of second chances trope is like crack to me. I I loved, I really, really loved this book a whole lot.
3: Oh, that's so great to hear. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was really, uh, really nice how the, it it was um, a second chances, but it was also uh, essentially uh, an enemies to lovers story. Um, It it, it kind of takes its time as they uh, end up working together and get to know one another. And they have all these like little moments where they're kind of rediscovering the relationship. Um, I really, really like that. That that sort of uh, slow, slow emotional build I thought was uh, really well done.
3: Oh, thank you so much. I, yeah, I like I like to write it that way because that's kind of what I like to read. So mm-hmm. it it comes out in the choices that I make to write because mm-hmm. it's kind of my favorite reading material too.
2: Now this is your fourth dream spun in a little over a year, yes. and of course you're also the author with the credit of the very first dream spun with Millionaire Upstairs last <laughs> January. A little bit of pressure, but yes. <laughs> what draws you into writing these category romances?
3: You know, I like the fantasy in them. It's, um, I like you know the the millionaires and the big business and the you know exotic locations and all the fun stuff that comes with them. And it's just, you know, kind of reminds me of the, the books you I you know used to sneak when you're a teenager from your grandma's closet, which I did. And I, I, it's nostalgic, and they're a lot of fun to read and write. So it's, I like all
2: the parts of it. So you, you, you snuck the Harlequins growing up? and
3: Yeah, and she used to have these little, like, cloth covers for them. Like, she thought I was stupid or something. <laughs> but I'd go over there, and, like, when I was staying with my grandma, and I'd sneak them out from, yeah, from her room and read them. I forget who it was that she really liked. But it was, yeah, the Harlequins and the, the category romances.
2: That's, it, that was how I learned. You mentioned second chances as a favorite trope. Any other particular favorites that you've got? Of mine? Yeah.
3: It's all of the one that started with coming home. I love writing that. That was the big that was the first of the second chances books. And I actually haven't looked at that one in a really long time.
2: But that was that was a lot of fun to do. How'd you get your start in MM romance? Okay,
3: well, it's a long story. No, um, there was actually a Halloween story contest, I think, back in two thousand nine, and I just entered it. I thought, you know, maybe I can do this. I had read one of Mary Colmey's books, I believe. I'm almost 100% sure it was her. And I thought, you know, I can try this. And I tried it, and I really, really liked it. And I ended up winning the contest, so that was a little bit of validation. And then I just went from there. So it was, yeah, and um, I'm trying to remember how, I, my first contract, I actually had the publisher emailed me because they had read the Halloween short. And then after that, I just kind of inched my way in slowly.
2: Nice. That's very cool. You've become at least what I would call prolific with like four and five books coming out a year. Like, what's the secret for you to create so much?
3: You know, um, once I get into this story, it's almost like like it happens in real time and I don't notice the time going by, which sounds really crazy. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to think of a good way to say that. Yeah, I just, I don't, once you get into a scene, it happens quickly, like you're experiencing it. So it doesn't really, I don't, don't, it doesn't take me a long time to write, I guess the word would be. And then I go back and read it and make sure that it's okay later on. But I just write pretty quickly. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Um, And as far as ideas, I already have 15, 20 ideas that I haven't written yet because I just write them in a notebook and, you know, keep them, keep them for a rainy day. So I have a lot of plans.
0: Do you write every day?
3: Um, No, probably four days a week. And then, you know, do admin stuff so you don't get burnt out and that stuff has to happen anyway. You know, like website updates and, you know, the typical, typical stuff.
2: And I guess you're also having to edit a fair bit, too, because of the number of books you're putting out. <laughs> I would imagine you're almost always have some part of the edit process going as well yeah
3: sometimes for more than one book at a time so there's always something like that going on yeah so it's kind of and then yeah the cover the you know all the stuff that's going on at once so you're definitely busy
2: it's a good busy though i would imagine yeah.
3: (laughs) yeah this is what i want to do so there's no no complaining about the busy it's
2: it's a good busy for sure do you get to do it full time
3: um, I do. I also um <laughs> I have a substitute teacher certificate so I can sub when I want to. Um yeah, that's what I used to be as a teacher. So um I but mostly yes. That's just if you wanna get out of the house or make a little extra money, you can go I can go teach. That's
2: but, that's that's nice. So you've got the option on what you're on what you're doing. Yes, I used to be a reading teacher <laughs> in <It's> school. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> <laughs> what well, you're also a cover designer, too, we should mention. How does that fit in to, like, the schedule of writing and editing all these books?
3: Very amateur level cover design. Um, I do that for fun more than anything, or if I have an idea that I can't really explain to the cover artist and just I mess around with it on my own to I get it. And you, mostly I just do that every so often, so it's not like a scheduled thing. But, you know, I would be open to doing it more, but it's never kind of happened that way.
2: Um I, yeah, so it's really just a couple days a month that I end up doing that. It's a good skill to have, though, whether you're <laughs> dealing with, with other cover designers or actually you know, having to produce some, some of them, too.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. What would you say is the, is the trademark of an M.J. O'Shea story?
3: Okay, I thought about this one for a while because it's been asked me before, and I would actually have to say it's my best friend character's. There's, like, almost every book, there will be kind of not always the sassy best friend, but, like, the quick, quick best friend that always has something to say. And that's because, basically, I have that character in my life that's my own best friend, and she actually was one of the characters in the book. And I managed to put her in, an, in almost every book in a different variation. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and the one that was, she was actually in um, was The Luckiest with the band. There was a character named Gina, the best friend. That was her. So, and then, yeah, it just always ends up happening. But almost every single one of my books will
2: have that character in it somehow. And I like that it's always a variation on the same person.
3: (laughs) It is, because, well, and it's just, it comes so naturally to me because, you know, it's years and years and years of having that person around. So it's like, yeah, and I just, there'll there'll be differences. But, yes, she'll always be around somehow. Cool. Sometimes it'll be a guy. but
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've certainly enjoyed all the secondary characters in the books of yours that I've read. Uh, uh they're really funny. I like them a lot. Um, so so we spoke to your prolificness earlier. Mm-hmm. Is there a book that you've written so far that um really stands out as memorable or one of your favorites?
3: I would have to say. I really liked writing "Catch My Breath," the boyfriend <laughs> book, because I loved I, you know, making up. I had to make up twitters, like tweets and Twitter handles, and you know, all that that stuff was so fun. I had to be a gossip columnist. There was a gossip columnist that showed up every so often in the book, and I, That book was. It took me probably three or four weeks to write, and it was just. It went so fast, and it
2: was really. It was just a lot of fun. You mentioned you've got this notebook of ideas, too. Where What generates your ideas for you?
3: Oh, everything. Sometimes another book. Like, I'll start with one book and end up coming up with an idea for another character in the book. Um, last week, it was a house. I was in New Orleans. And we walked by this house, and I just looked at it, and I was like, oh, there you go. And I started that, and I have a character that already there. And that's the next book I'm going to write. So... Um, I'm going to do not the first one, but the dreams, fun, desires is going to have a new paranormal line. I forget what it's called, beyond, but I'm going to, yeah, i on schedule to write one of those and that's going to be the one that takes place in that house in New Orleans.
0: Oh, fun.
2: Oh, cool.
3: Yeah. It's from my favorite place. So I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do
2: it. Besides beyond, are you going to branch out into the undercover line for them as well?
3: Is that the mystery? Like the, uh, yeah.
2: The mystery one.
3: I might. have loved. love to. I'm not sure if I'm not a little intimidated by that. I've never written a mystery. It would be fun. I'd like to try. We'll try the
2: paranormal one first and see how that goes. Yeah, mysteries have always seemed a little daunting to me because you've really got to piece everything together so well. Oh,
3: absolutely. And it has to be not obvious but makes sense at the same time as not being obvious and it's a little, a little daunting.
2: Yes, good word. So one of our patrons of the podcast, Ellen, had a question. Uh, a lot of books that she's read of yours have been co-written with other authors. Mm-hmm. And she was curious if there's an author with whom you haven't worked with yet that you'd like to.
3: Okay, as far as the authors that I know, I think it would be fun to work with Mary Colme. She's so nice and such a great writer, and I don't know, I think it would be a big compliment for sure. And I don't know, pie in the sky would be a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> well go
2: pie in the sky, give us some ideas. Okay, well
3: then, let's go with Neil Gaiman, because I adore him.
2: Uh, well, That's
3: yeah. completely <laughs> out of the box, completely. <laughs> but that was probably one of my first favorite authors, and I've never not loved anything he did.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, mm-hmm. I remember first reading him in middle school and just like, yes, that's what I want to do.
2: That's so. not the gambit of reading as a young person, between Neil Gaiman and, and the Harlequins and the Holoquins in your grandmother's oh, room. It gets,
3: it gets bigger than that. Yeah, I was just a crazy reader. I read everything, just all over the place, whatever I could find. But.
2: What are your favorites now to read, either inside or outside the genre? Gosh, everything.
3: It's so hard to come up with a favorite. I do really love, like you said, the Second Chances book. I'll find any one of those. I like anything as far as with best friends. Um, it just, for some reason, that familiarity turning into another story works for me. And then um, outside of the genre, I really like fantasy. I, of course, I love Harry Potter. I'm a big, huge Harry Potter geek. And um, I used to read, I don't know if you've ever heard of David Edding's. I was really into him when I was a little kid. It was this big, long fantasy series. He's a Seattle author, so... Um, just basically anything. I was going to try rereading the Interview with a Vampire next week,
2: it's been years. So, we'll see. It's a good post-New Orleans book to read. Exactly, yeah. No, it's... Definitely. And didn't Anne just say
0: that she's um, going back to the Vampire series? And I think so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think I, I read something online. Not too, not too, uh, yeah. recently.
3: I don't remember.
0: Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. I didn't know about that. We shall
2: see. We Indeed. shall see.
3: Yes.
2: So, <laughs> kind of circling back to the, to the collaboration idea. What's your process when you collaborate with other authors? How does that tend to work itself out?
3: So I've done it with a couple of authors. It just really depends on the story and the other person. Um, When I was working with Piper, it was like, we were both very new. And so she had come to me with some things she had halfway done and we kind of fleshed them out and wrote them together. That was really quick. And we actually, our writing styles were very, excuse me, very similar. So a lot of people couldn't even tell who wrote what. And then um, I'm writing a a series with Poppy Denison and each one of us are going to take our own books. And we started that from zero. Like we said, okay, let's do something together. And we decided what we were going to do from absolutely nothing. So that was just just us wanting to try something together. Cool. And then with, um, Anna, we just kind of sat in her apartment and said, "Okay, let's get this. Let's, let's do this. We're going to have a cooking show." And we came up with all the different challenges and what the characters were going to be like and all that stuff. And we kind of you know based it on different cooking shows and the archetypes of the you know the competition
2: shows. And so we had just
3: had a lot of fun putting it together.
2: That sounds fun. I need to get that book because you know I always love the cooking. The... One of my one of my things I love on Hallmark Channel with their romance movies are the ones that deal around with the with the chefs and the cooks and the restaurants. And... I don't know if I've seen any of those. I saw the ones with the, like the Good Witch or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I ended up watching one of those all night. <laughs> <laughs> it's an easy rabbit hole to fall right down into. Yes, it's it is. That's so cute <laughs>
0: Is is there an author out there that is like a, like an instant one click or an auto buy for you? Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm automatically going to get that one.
3: I would have to say no. It's more subjects than authors that I would buy. Okay. Cause there's certain people that I love them, but if they go outside of like, if they go into something that I know I'm not going to like, I won't buy it. But most of the time I will. But yeah, there's definitely like, I'm a trope buyer for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Interesting. Uh huh. Or a theme. Like I'll, I, I love vampires. I know they're kind of not in style anymore, but I still love them. And I always buy the vampire books.
0: Is there, is there one recently that you've uh, found that was really good?
3: Actually, no, I have not been reading, like, the past month or two, which is horrible. I've been out with my family for, a couple, like, a while, about six weeks we were gone, and I haven't read anything recently, which is an abomination for Go me. <laughs> 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 I have to fix that. I'm just sitting here thinking about how long it's been. That's so not okay.
0: You, you've been very, very busy. You, you deserve some
3: time off. That's
0: perfectly yeah. all right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I actually, I have, um, I've had um, Charlie Cushays The Thirds books for a long time, and I know they're amazing, and I've never read them. They're sitting on that shelf back there, and that's probably my next thing I'm going to try. Okay. Because, <laughs> yeah, I've talked to her about them, and I've had them on my shelf, and now I need to read them. It's like, I've heard just amazing things. But that's going to be next. Cool.
2: Cool. I also like Shifters, so. So, can, what can you tell us about what you've got coming out this year?
3: This year is actually going to be a little slower. I um, cranked my schedule back a bit um, just because I had been so prolific for a few years. I don't want people to get sick of me. Um, I have the paranormal that's going to take place in New Orleans. And that main character is not going to be a vampire. We're not doing that. He's actually going to be a mortal but not a vampire. I haven't decided where I'm going with that yet. And then I have a couple books that are going to spin off of that that I sort of have halfway planned. And that's really about it. I might do a little um, novella with some other writers about that's going to be a chef thing. And that's about it for now. So I think we're going to slow it down a little bit for a year. Oh,
2: so that means that's the last Dream Spun Desire right there that we just got oh, for the year. Yeah,
3: now. No, no, no. There, yeah, for now.
2: No, no, there's one more coming up. Um, it's done already. <laughs> that's why I didn't
3: say anything. But I did write one more that takes place in Seattle, and that's a... Um, like it's centered around like a sportswear company, kind of like Adidas or something. But um,
2: that's finished and it's about to start editing. Oh, so, cool. Yes. Oh, awesome. So there will be one more to add to that step that yeah. before you And I'm not it. done with
3: those, <laughs> just for a little while.
2: Just taking a little bit of a breather. Cool. Anyway. Something to look forward to. I'm glad. That yeah. sounds good. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So what's the best way for everybody to keep up with you online?
3: Um, I'm always, you know, I have Facebook on my phone, so whether I forget to post sometimes or not doesn't mean I won't be around if people say something to me. <laughs> I'll be there, and um, that's usually the best place. I'll answer tweets, but it's not as easy. I'm not on there as often. Facebook's the best. And that's about it. I keep telling myself I'm going to get Tumblr, but I never have.
2: I keep, Someday. Someday maybe yeah. Instagram one day yeah there's so much you just gotta kind of pick and choose what you can deal with yeah. and keep up to date yeah so mostly Facebook alright well MJ it's been awesome talking to you yes you and uh thanks for so many great books
3: oh thank you guys for saying that
1: the new adult hockey romance Rivals by Jeff Adams is now available in audiobook as performed by Derek McLean Mitchell Turner and Alex Goodman squared off on the ice throughout high school. Their rivalry was tough on Mitchell because he harbored a huge crush on Alex. With high school and college behind them, they meet unexpectedly on Thanksgiving Day, once again on the ice. Mitchell is thrilled to see his one-time adversary all grown up. With their rivalry in the past, could this be the start of something magical for the holidays and beyond? Written by Jeff Adams and performed by Derek McLean, Rivals is available at Amazon.com, Audible, and iTunes. Also available in ebook. Get your copy today.
2: So I think that'll do it for this week. Can you think of another possible thing to say? Mm, no, we've talked about so much stuff this week. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing else. That was everything I did. <laughs> So, coming up next week in episode 73, uh, Michael Scott Garvin's going to be here, uh, excited to have him finally on the show, mm-hmm. to talk about his acclaimed debut novel, A Faithful Son. Yes, that you love that book. I did. It was one of the, I think I read it at the very end of last year, mm-hmm. uh, and it jumped to the top of my TBR list because of Lisa at the Novel Approach, Yeah, and it's it's an incredible book. It really is. Yeah. So, tune in next week. We're going to
0: talk to Michael and get all the deets on this amazing book. Uh, Until then, guys,
1: remember, keep reading, and we'll see you next time. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.